The following podcast is a Dear Media production. You know those things you are too embarrassed to talk about when it comes to dating? Like when to say I love you, how to define the relationship. Well, We Met at Acme touches upon all of those subjects and more, and we get right into it with our guests and talk about their dating lives and also what not to do when it comes to dating because we're all kind of confused together. So you can tune in every Sunday to We Met at Acme and maybe you can learn a thing or two while I learn a thing or two. I'm Dr. Deepika Chopra, the Optimism Doctor, and this is Looking Up, a place where you can expect to find raw, transparent storytelling. Listen in to learn real science-based techniques to cultivate more optimism, resiliency, and authentic joy from artists, athletes, experts, and many more. We're sticking to relationships over here at Looking Up. While last week's episode featured relationship experts and offered tools on how to actively work on being happy together, What happens when there is deep betrayal? What happens if you find yourself married to a sex addict? Or what happens when there are way too many lives? Of course, some relationships are better left uncoupled, especially in the name of physical or mental health and safety. But what if you truly can see the potential and you truly believe that there is real work that can be done to help each other overcome past traumas and deal with current addictions and somehow, some way, You can see yourself working through, let's say, an affair. Today's episode is a whole different kind of resiliency. It's about a couple who, well, let's just say, has been through a lot. Infidelity, sex addiction, lies, hours of therapy, coaching others, building businesses together, raising three amazing children, forgiveness, and finding their way to resilience, and a complete relationship rebuild through a very extreme practice of radical transparency and, of course, a lot of hard work. If you ever wanted to be inspired by witnessing real, raw vulnerability, weaknesses, and, of course, authentic strength, this episode is for you. My guests on today's episode of Looking Up are the married duo, Sophie Jaffe, the founder of the popular superfoods company Philosophy, Mom of Three, and Adi Jaffe, psychologist and addiction expert. They also both co-host the podcast, Ignited. What amazes me the most about Sophie and Adi's 16-year relationship is not just all that they have withstood and what they have overcome as a couple, but really about how open and honest they are with all of us about their journey, recovery, mistakes, sources of growth, deep pain, and the oftentimes unconventional but powerful healing work it has taken to get to where they are now. Many times they've had the courage to say out loud what many of us wouldn't even allow ourselves to think for longer than a few fleeting moments. Radical transparency is no easy task, but many experts believe it is necessary to keep a relationship alive and to increase relationship longevity. Many of us struggle with the question of, but how much should I share? What's necessary? What truly defines a lie? What are our boundaries? And then all of that shifts when a significant betrayal has taken place. And where can partners go from there? Can a real sense of authentic trust be built back up after it has been broken down completely? The way that Looking Up starts the podcast, there is a very short beginning section that I like to call Looking In. And it's just like a rapid fire series of questions. Don't think too much about it and just answer. 
So Sophie, starting with you, is there a book that you have read that has actually changed the way in which you live your life? I'd say the four agreements. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was 16 when I read it. It's like these concepts that we feel in our bodies, but then to see it written out with words just changes everything. I think that was the experience from reading that book. Yeah. Adi? When I read Bruce Lipton's The Biology of Belief, it put into words things that as a researcher and a scientist, I'd been feeling but not really known how to express and kind of put a nice little bow on it. And so it made me be able to more fully commit maybe to this new way of living that I was already developing. But that was a really impactful book. That book impacted me as well. But I feel like I'm not surprised because even when knowing you guys as friends and when I was on your podcast, I feel like Adi and I were just like, we had like everything in common. It was like, we were like in a band, like a garage band, just like jamming, like back and forth. Like, yeah. Cover band, man. Cover band. Hey, do you know this song? And I think think the beauty of Bruce's book and just his entire everything, his being is just that synergy between energy and science. Mm -hmm. That's, and so that kind of felt like a bridge for us where we just, we could geek out together with him and even just on our own when he was when Adi was reading the book and would bring concepts to me. And I was so fascinated and equally as interested because it was that bridging of energy mm. and science. That is such a good point because when I think of the two of you, that's literally what I think of. You guys, you guys so deeply bring the energy piece from you, Sophie, and the science piece from you, Adi. But then having been married for the years that you have and together for so long, now you guys like have such a great synergy, even within yourselves of the two of those things because of each other. And so I love that. Okay. Sophie, people think that I'm blank, but I'm actually blank. I'd say people think that this is my Virgo rising, like Virgo, so rising is what people think of you. So like people think I have it completely together, (laughs) but really I barely pull it all off. Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm a mess, like not a mess, but I definitely barely like slide in like to most things. <laughs> Adi, what about you? <laughs> I thought of this immediately. So I'm just gonna have to say, it. yeah, people think I'm an asshole, <laughs> but <laughs> really I'm just Israeli. That was the first thing <laughs> I thought. That's really good. I like yes. that. I like- yeah. I love that. But I'm also in, in addition to not just uh, being Israeli, I'm also an, an introvert mm. who's found a living by talking. So people see me speak, or they hear me, or they read my book, and they think I'll, I'll be really like chummy and friendly. And then they meet me, and I'm really direct <laughs> and just like blunt and yeah. and pretty pretty harsh sometimes. And and they think that it means one thing, but right. honestly, like I'm pretty good being left alone. Like this Corona thing. <laughs> He's thriving. He's thriving. <laughs> Honestly, I kind of wish life was always like this to some extent. <laughs> Careful what you wish for. <laughs> With one caveat, I'd like to be able to pick when I want to stop it. Yeah. And just do my own thing. Yeah. You yeah. want it to be under but your I'd be control. Fine with that, like, yeah, but I'd be fine with that like every other week. Yeah. Okay. Sophie, three words that you would use to describe yourself as a teenager, like high school years. Oof. I was friendly, challenging for my mother. And I'd say rebellious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In like a good way. <laughs> like I was still, I was rebellious, but still 
found a way to get straight A's and show up to class and all of that. A functional rebellion, rebellion. Functional, yeah, like in a healthy way. Yeah. That was not functional. <laughs> Adi, I'm interested to know about yours. I mean, definitely rebel, definitely <laughs> rebellious. That was a big one. But I was a punk. I took rebellious to another level. So if I can use both rebellious, a punk, mm-hmm. and then I think lost. Mm. Those are three good words. When is the last time each of you cried? I think about a week and a half ago. Mm. Adi and I had a really powerful virtual healing session with our coach. And we, I mean, I was bawling. I was like uncontrollably bawling. So it was a good yeah. release. Mm-hmm. Are we talking that kind of like bawling or just tearing up is enough for to answer this question? <laughs> um, whatever came to you first, tearing up could be could be a tear of tears of joy or tears of sadness. No, no, no. I um, because I, I mean, I think I teared up today, but I definitely tear. I'm trying to think the last time it was like impactful. Maybe two weeks ago on one of my Tuesday chats for Ignited, mm. I teared up, like, but like heavily. Yeah. Without much thought or judgment, what are three things that have brought you joy today? Noah's face, our two-year-old, waking up to our seven-year-old Leo being in bed with us and just his sweet snoring and <laughs> movements. I was baking today. It really brought me joy to bake. Yeah, it smelled so good. And just to create something and follow a recipe and just put on music. It's been a while since I could just like get lost in a recipe. Yeah. I signed up to a silent retreat, which I've never done in my life. And that brought the spark. Absolutely Noah's face. (laughs) But maybe more her voice. Mm. Because her face is incredible. But then she talks and I just lose my shit. Um, (laughs) So definitely, I'd say maybe her voice. What else brought me joy? And then music. I um, mm-hmm. I brought a little speaker. I used to have a speaker in my office, and I haven't really used it in a while. My assistant hasn't been in here for a while, so it kind of just a little bit of a shit show in my office right now. And I brought music today. And when I did some of the work, I played music, and that was fun. Nice. What were you listening to? It's pretty cheap, like just pop, some yeah. pop music. I think it was like um, like pop rap, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. I like things that make me feel upbeat. Good. I'm pretty, uh, I, I lean in my introversion. I lean towards like depression. Yeah. And so the stuff that I bring into my life primarily lifts me up. I, I was just on a former episode interviewing husband and wife, positive psychology team, and they've written a bunch of books and their life work is all about using positive psychology in relationships. And we were talking a lot about resiliency and some of the things that came up were, you know, can you really work? Sure. You can start at a certain level and keep working towards building a more resilient relationships. But what happens when like deep trauma happens or betrayal or infidelity or, you know, things that some people might just say, like, there's no going back from that. And well, we can't we can't speak to that because we've never yeah, had that yeah, happen. So yeah. we're talking about a different episode. Because <laughs> have you ever had? No, no, no. Trauma. <laughs> no, no, no. We're good. We're good. <laughs> and so I'm like so honored to have you guys on this podcast to talk about the things that you guys have been through individually and as a as a relationship, and more so because 
like even more honored because of how transparent and open you guys are about your experience. And none of it is sugarcoated. None of it is glossed over. And none of it is about being devoid of the realities of what have happened, what is happening and what is going to happen. And so I just would love for you guys, if you're open to it, to share your guys' relationship story and start from the beginning, how you met, what has transpired and how you guys are resilient and how much you've grown and and the people and the couple and the husband and wife and the parents that you are today. Yeah. I'll let a detail the story just because I feel like I always do. And I kind of want to hear him tell it this time. I think the concept of being radically transparent in a relationship specifically, but also just in life is a hard one to understand because we're not taught this. We're usually, I mean, I hope that we're teaching our children something very different, but I was just coaching a girlfriend through this today because she was trying to get, she told her boyfriend, her fiance, a dream about having sex with her ex. And the whole point of it is like, she was being radically transparent. She told him that she had sex with her ex and to her, it's like, what's the big deal? It's a dream. Mm -hmm. It'll bring us closer. And to him, he's like, that's something that you save for your girlfriends. You don't tell me that kind of stuff. And then when she went to some of her girlfriends, she said, you're the only person that I know will understand this because my girlfriends and my sisters, they will tell me the same thing. They will say, keep this between us. That's not something you go to your man with. Right. Which feels like such old program. Yes. I think the dream thing's so interesting because there's been times where I, I mean, we all must dream. I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm not a dream expert, but like, I just can't understand how that is not a normal thing. Like we've all, come on, we've all had sexual dreams about other people or even our partners in different ways. And I'm definitely the the sharer of that. Cause I just feel like there must obviously be something there to talk about too, whether it's just for entertainment purposes or sharing, or even like a way to bring us closer because maybe there's something to discuss there. It brings something exactly. to light. So that's really the key for me is I'm, I resonate with everything you said. I was the one that pushed this from the very beginning. We well, actually, beginning. we actually came to this place of radical transparency because of trauma in our relationship. So this was what we yeah, I, mean, I think, hold on. Yeah. I, just, I feel like we're putting the cart before the horse. Yes, a little bit yes. We're talking about the solution before we yes. explain the problem that causes the solution. Yeah. yeah. It's really easy once you realize that this works to put yeah. it in place. But 99% of the people listening right now have never even thought of implementing something like this because the things you're keeping, the things you're hiding, the things you're shying away from are not big enough right. or haven't caused enough pain or struggle. So you're working like the vast majority of people is just like, hey, I'm going to tell the other person what they need to know. And what they don't know, hurt them. Like that's the vast majority of how people operate, I think. And And I totally get that too, actually. You're so right, Adi. Like there's a different scenario here and I'm excited to get it all out right now. So people that listen can really have an understanding of where you guys are coming from. But I I get that too. Like, um, you know, why why share something that seems like so benign and it's just maybe going to upset you and it's nothing like it was a dream. I think I know why. I wouldn't have known why if we didn't go through this journey that we've gone on. And so, you know, Sophie's talking about how she wanted to know as well. But when we met and she asked me how many people I slept with, I lied to her first. But then when I told her the real number, first of all, she flipped out at the original number that I lied on, which was like seven. Mm -hmm. And when I told her the real number, she was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, who sleeps with that many people? So there was, you know, I have this F shame bracelet around my wrist now. And it's 
it's something I hold on now, but I didn't know this language then. This is 16 years ago. I was 27, 28, but still really young. Yeah. And so it felt weird and I didn't want to embarrass myself and I didn't want my new girlfriend that I really liked to think badly of me. So I told her the number I thought she wanted to know. And then 24 hours later, I told her the real number and I got exactly the, I mean, already in the beginning, I didn't get the reaction I wanted. And then I got the exact reaction I thought that I would get. And Right. And that you didn't want. That I didn't want. And so that caused me some pain, but at least she knew the real number. And I remember, you know, she came out of a pretty abusive relationship, physically, psychologically, a little bit sexually as well. And so sex and intimacy were weird for us at first, and we didn't know how to talk about it. So we didn't. We're now in radical transparency. There was no, no radical transparency where we started. Right. So some people listening right now might have experienced some of these things, but like Sophie would cry when we did certain things and she would have like a, like a, I didn't, again, I didn't know this at the time. I was just starting my training, but like essentially a post-traumatic reaction to sexual events that I didn't cause, but now I'm dealing with the consequences and realities. I didn't know how to talk to her about it. I tried not to shame her about it, but I also felt weird. And so we're both kind of living this parallel psychological life. And I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was getting the charge or the like sexual turn on whatever that I wanted and needed. And so like I think a lot of men do, I looked for that attention elsewhere. I also had porn. I was watching porn daily pretty much. Wait, so you guys met, let's go back. You guys met in school. Sophie was doing undergrad and you were in your PhD program. Yeah, I was sitting in on a class that Sophie was also taking. And so we we sat in together. And everybody tells this us is 16 that they, years ago. Yeah. Everybody tells us they gradually kind of saw us getting closer and closer together. We ended up in the same study group. It's like you can make this thing up in like an American college movie. Yeah. It just, I was in grad school. Well, I guess there were probably ones when the guy's in grad school. I don't know. Long story short, <laughs> same big lecture. We got closer to one another. Same study group. Everybody else eventually dropped out of the study group almost because they were like, uh, you guys are obviously in this because you're going to date. So this is not... <laughs> We're, we're bouncing and we hung out more and more and more. In the middle of that, she told me she was, she had a boyfriend. She was in a five-year relationship. And so we still remained friends, but it was kind of weird and distant if she broke up with the guy that she was dating. And then we, we didn't do anything until that happened. And then we started dating and hanging out. And then, like I said, this stuff that I didn't really know how to deal with, I am uh, emotionally challenged, I should say. Like, I grew up in a family where emotions weren't discussed. Nobody talked about them. I had no vocabulary for them. I'm still developing my vocabulary for emotions. And um, so I didn't know how to talk about this stuff. So we just wouldn't. Sophie would recoil. I would get distant. I had porn and like other stuff that we'll talk about later that I sort of would go to to make myself feel okay when I didn't get what I needed from my wife. Girlfriend. Mm -hmm, Like early girlfriend at the time. And she didn't know any of that because you guys weren't talking about it. Mm-mm. No, we talked about nothing. Yeah. And then eventually me looking for attention somewhere else ended up with this girl at the gym at UCLA hitting on me. Uh, I started this like side relationship. I would see her at the gym. We actually went out and hung out a few times after the gym. And then we had sex. And Sophie and I are still dating. I don't remember why you were living with your parents. because I graduated. You graduated. I don't mm-hmm. know. She was, she was staying with me, but also living with her parents. Long mm-hmm. story short, one day I decided I'm like, it's, it's falling apart around me. And I'm like, if I don't tell my girl that this is happening, she's going to find out in another way. And that would be the worst thing that could happen. So I tell her I got to talk to her. I drive over and I told her that I'd been sleeping with this other woman. We took a walk around her parents' block. At the end of it, she said, you know, I have to break up with you now. I'm like, well, I kind of imagined that's how this would end, but I was hoping that it wouldn't. 
And so she And were you me. still like at that time actively sleeping with the other? No. Okay. You were telling her something that had happened in the past that you were already. Uh, I mean, no. the past, it was like oh. two weeks. Okay. He had Three been days. seeing her for a while and mm-hmm. having secret meetups yeah. and then like told me about it. And then he had already, I think you already ended it up by that point. I think about a week or two weeks before, yeah. maybe, not, not, maybe a week, a week before I told Sophie, I ended it. Nothing had really happened between us for a while, but there was still like, it wasn't resolved. Again, I left a lot of shit unresolved back then. Like yeah. the, the tactic was be it there. It doesn't feel good. Just Move leave, on. just yeah. leave and just don't deal with the consequences. And so you can talk about that moment as being a moment of, of transparency, but, but it really wasn't, right? It was what we would consider more honesty. Like I told Sophie the truth because if I didn't, I was pretty sure she was very quickly going to find out and I would rather come from me than from somebody else. Now, by that point, I've already kicked my drug addiction. I was addicted to drugs prior to prior. I'd been to rehab multiple times and eventually kicked drugs. I've been to jail. Like I'd had a pretty ridiculous sort of uh, life even leading up to this moment. But I thought I'd handle all my stuff Mm -hmm. when I quit drugs. It wasn't really until this period over the next like two years of what we're going to discuss here that it dawned on me that those are on us. That there was actually a whole other area of life that we'd never dealt with. I'd never dealt with. I think initially, I don't know that Sophie, you would have said that there were areas you hadn't dealt with. I think initially Sophie and I both looked at this as like my Your issue. issue. Mm-hmm. I messed up. Sophie broke up with me. And I'm not talking like she says, you know, we took a break. At the moment, it wasn't like we knew we took a break. Sophie dumped me and we stopped talking. That lasted almost a year, I think 11 months or so. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like we didn't talk. I think I ran into her a month or so before we got back together. And so that was the, the initial sort of explosion. I ended up fighting to get her back. I was still living at the same place that she had shared with me for a little while. And I went downstairs to go to Coffee Bean. Is this Coffee Bean? Mm-hmm. So I went to Coffee Bean and I was standing in line and you know they sell these mugs with phrases. I saw a mug. It says, what would you uh, attempt today if you knew you couldn't fail? And I just, I knew the only answer for me was I tried to get Sophie back. And so part of transparency is talking about things you don't want to talk about and moments that maybe are least comfortable. So Sophie wasn't talking to me. It's not like we had a relationship. We had run into each other a couple of weeks earlier. I went home. She was in Thailand with some guy, which sounds much more sordid than it was. <laughs> but I sent her an email. I told her that part. Like, hey, I just went to this the coffee shop and I found this thing and it was clear to me. And then I talked about all the ways that I screwed up and how I, you know, if there's a way that I could get another chance that I'd love it. She's in Thailand. I think it was like the next day you called me or something. She called me and we talked and I I noticed, I saw that there was a window of potential, but pretty much from the get-go, Sophie's condition was that we would go get help. Mm. So she's still in Thailand for like a week or eight days or however long you were gone for. She flew back. Everybody in her life hated me, right? I was the guy who cheated on her. So I went to the airport, but I didn't pick her up because her friends were picking her up. I just went, hugged her, kissed her, and then let her friends still pick her up without seeing me there. And it started a gradual You had to earn back the trust with my entire world, right? Like it wasn't just like me. I had a whole tribe of people that picked me up when all the bad things happened. So So did you keep that part like in those times in the beginning, you kept it? sort of like a secret between the two of you that you were like kind of yeah it was just like we're the idea and the intention was yeah we're going to try and work this out i love you too and i've been thinking about you on my travels i was gone for 
over a month and traveling and seeing the world. And, you know, I think about him and I would talk about him and I was still in love with him clearly. And there were a lot of things I needed to learn. It was quite the, the gift to actually have that time alone after five years of being in a relationship, an abusive relationship, and then being right into falling in love with a D. It was a gift to have that almost year yeah. to myself, in my early twenties to find myself and and have experiences without being tied to another human. But the whole time I was thinking about him and loving him. However, 21 year old Sophie was broken from this man who's like almost 30 and who's this guy think he is and, you know, cheating on her and X this and that, like the whole story that we create to protect ourselves. So my entire community protected me by making him the bad guy. Right. So it and by took the way, time. Not, and yeah. I think not just the community. I think the story in general is, yeah. you know, once a cheater, always a cheater. Like right. I get why. It wasn't like. There's a lot of shame and cheating. Yeah. We're now talking about this 13 years later. So we know how the story ends and it ends differently. But I don't, I don't think a lot of people saw that at the time. No. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. So he, we built trust slowly, both between us and then through my world. And how did you do that? We started seeing a therapist regularly and um, really dug in. We did the work in a real way instead of just like Mm -hmm. kind of looking at things. Like I had to deal with a lot of my own traumas and I hadn't before then. I just thought by getting my ex out of my life, it was enough, but it wasn't. I was left with all this stuff. The reason I cried when we had sex in the beginning was like, he wasn't abusive and controlling me. And it felt weird to have sex or make love to someone who wasn't trying to hurt me in some way or manipulate right. me or in some way. And, you know, it, that was my relationship with sex at that point was just for five years that, and he loved me and cared for me and romanticized me and like did all these beautiful things that I had never experienced. And it scared the shit out of me, but I didn't face anything. I didn't know what to do. I was 20 when we met and just fresh out of that relationship. So we both realized we had work to do. And that's when we started to, d- to dig in then there were like other iterations, not as big as the cheating, but other kind of signs that we were still had a lot of work. Yeah, ahead I mean, of they us. were pretty, they were big signs. So we um, were in couples therapy, but we're still fighting. And there's a lot of like our fights would be flare ups. Like we would go on the jog and in the middle of it, like we'd fight and scream and run off. So she would run one way, I'd run the other way, and we'd go back home. And during that time, I would like, I'd go back. So instead of going to actual women, like that woman at the gym, I would like text ex sex partners and just like mm. not sex attention. with them per se, but just get attention. Like, right. what are you up to? Just kind of get my, my girlfriend just made me feel really bad about myself. I, I need go, someone to make yeah. me feel good. And hundred yeah. percent. So I would do that repeatedly. And then one day while we're engaged, Sophie and we're like going to a conversion class because Sophie was converting to Judaism for me. We're driving and she get grabs my phone. And I can remember even like not right now thinking about it. You know, I think for a lot of guys, there's this feeling in their head of like, oh shit, she better not look at my phone. And it doesn't even matter if it's a girl they're texting with, somebody from work, a guy they're saying stupid shit about their wife too that they wouldn't say otherwise. Like whatever it is, there's this fear. And I remember feeling it. And she's like going to check out my phone, looks at text. She's like, wait, you're talking to that girl? And then she looks at the text and it's, Again, I don't think I don't think it was sexting per se, but it was definitely like attention getting. What are you up to? Da da da. Maybe we can hang out, whatever that kind of stuff. Loses it. She's like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" Uh, 
I just worked a year to get this girl back. Obviously, if I'm going to go work a year to get somebody back. It's because I want to get engaged and get married. We're going to these conversion classes. And that was the first moment that I realized this was something a little bit more than just like seeking attention. And so for me, it connected to addiction at that moment. I, I talked to Sophie. I was like, look, let me obviously apologetic, all that other stuff. But that matters a little bit less than what the hell you do afterwards. So it made us realize it was still more stuff. That was the point at which I found like still back to like 12 step based sex addiction kind of help and just really trying to find my north because I realized, look, I worked my butt off to get this girl back and now I'm on the verge of fucking it up again. What's wrong with me? And there wasn't a lot of resources like at any point along our journey, which is why I've openly written articles about this and magazine articles and news like I've openly after several years of our trauma written about it because when I was going through it. There was nothing. It was just like, leave a cheater. Right. Always a cheater. It just is like very negative and not a lot of direction to go to. So we just picked the only thing there was, which was 12 step, which isn't necessarily now what we would have picked, but that was the only option then. Yeah. And the only option, honestly, that I knew at the time. Because you had been through that before, right? I'd been through it, although I left it, I left it behind with drugs. I kind of, I did it in the beginning of drugs and then I left and I was still fine. But I just knew I needed something immediate and there wasn't anything else that I could like enroll in right away. We looked at um at a treatment locally, but that shit is ridiculously expensive. Yeah. I'm a I'm a grad student. Yeah. She's she worked at like, I don't even know what were you doing the for juice work? bar. It wasn't for the juice bar even. I don't even mm-hmm. think we worked at the juice bar. Anyway, we were making zero dollars and it was like twenty thousand dollars for like twenty days. Yeah. yeah. It was insane. We actually I ended up working out some little deal of a pretend version of that with them. Did still two or three hours of therapy a week. Sophie and I went to couples groups. We, we really hit it pretty hard because a few months into those 12-step groups, the last shoe dropped. And the last shoe was Sophie finding out. So we went from me cheating with an actual other human being, being in the same room, having actual physical contact, to me talking to girls that I had hooked up with before. Then Sophie finding out about essentially oh. online relationships sex chats okay so women i'd never met yeah. all over the world through different websites and things like that that i was still actively engaged with the it entire was like, time it was like a child like a child being like you can't eat all these cookies and then they eat like three and then you're like no you can't eat them unless you ask and then you ask another adult because you you're not supposed to ask that adult like it's like he just kept being like i didn't do the thing right and like but he what was is like going on here he was no, like doing the thing without doing the thing and finding like how much of the thing he could do yeah. without doing the actual thing. What's the deeper reason for why? It's not even about the thing. Like, right. So I don't think we knew that at the time. Right, we didn't. Like, it, I would definitely didn't. But this is why we talk about transparency instead of honesty. Because I remember the moment Sophie called and told me, all she said was I found the email. I had a fake email account so that it wouldn't go to my regular email. So she looked at it. It was like a pretty, pretty convoluted. I've heard of more convoluted, insane tricks since yeah. couples met, but but it, we I worked pretty hard for it. But like she that means it was like intentional. Oh, oh yeah, I mean, like was, you knew exactly what hiding. you were doing. He was you were actively yeah. hiding. I was yeah. hiding. And again, and I just had an instinct. Now I know the reasons for why I was hiding it, but yeah. but I didn't at the time. And so she found out the email. I remember my heart sinking. I was downstairs at UCLA when I was getting my PhD. And you guys are engaged at this time. No, the, we're now married. Now we're married. And I'm pregnant. pregnant. Oh, now you're married. Oh, and you're pregnant. Okay. Yeah. And uh, she took off her ring. It was it was bad. Like we're talking about it now, ten years later, and and we're on the other side of it. 11, but yeah. 
yeah, it was, it was really, really bad. She had found the last piece. So in mixed emotions, I felt incredibly terrible and remorseful, but also a huge sense of relief because that was actually the last like layer to find. Right. And so now kind of like my last line of defense, the last thing I was running to had, had evaporated. She found it. I just didn't know if I could actually get her back from that place. Turned to one of the other guys that I'd met in the meetings. That was one of the best things about the meeting. Uh, and was like, Hey, I may just be getting divorced. I don't know if I can save this thing. Any advice, anything you got. And he connected Sophie to his wife who was able to talk to Sophie and, and was Sophie's first signal from another woman that like, Hey, there's another side to this. But that other side comes through what we're now talking about is transparency. It was like, can you just lay it all out there? Can you just show up? So we, sh- we started showing up to couples meetings. Every Sunday night. Every Sunday for years, for years, where every Sunday we would be transparent. The whole point was really to create a safe space to say what you want, what you need, what is going on for you without your partner responding to you, without them taking it personally, all that kind of stuff. Now that's easy to say. It took a lot of training. Sophie and I keep talking about the potential of running one of these groups online at some point for people. It was, it was the most powerful part to our healing were these groups where people who wanted to stay together, they were married, all of them were married. And one of the people in the coupleship had cheated, had c- considered themselves on some part of the spectrum, a sex addict of some sort. And we all would meet together, break bread, the person hosting would make dinner for everyone. And they're like five to seven couples. And we would just connect openly and honestly. And like, was there a facilitator or was it just oh, the couples whoever, yeah, whoever oh, whoever's hosting and then we would move house to house. So we were like family. We watched the, our babies grow up. We had, you know, baby Kai in a, in his car seat at those first meetings and everyone held him, you know, it's, we became a family and we watched everyone grow and evolve. And then the the grandfathered ones in would leave and the new couples would come in broken. And we got to really remember every week where we came from and what happened and where we, where we were going. Cause we got to see the, the couples who had been in there for a while. How did you know deep inside that even with all the things that had happened and the, the hurt and sort of the repeated I, discretions or I don't even know exactly. I mean, it just sounds like traumatic things really yeah. that were happening to you. And it sounds like repeated betrayals that you wanted to stay and you wanted to make it work. And what about a D, I guess, at that age even made you realize or think like we can work through this and I'm actually willing to. Yeah. I mean, I think there were different signs throughout. I'm really in tune with energy and signs, which is why I knew every time something was off and then I could like be a sleuth and find it every single time was because like I knew when he was coming over that first time to tell me he was cheating on me. Like I knew that's what the conversation was going to be later. I just didn't say it over the phone. Cause I was like, whatever, we'll handle it in person. Like I have such a strong sense of knowing And that's another thing that I've had since I was young is that trust. Like, even though I like moved around every single year, I could find that sense of home within myself. And Adi was a man who, even though he had these dark spots and these shadows that he hadn't dealt with because no one's perfect. And because he 
came from a family without any emotion. His dad cheated on his mom. That's his dad left the family. Like there were certain things that, that are displayed to us as children. And if you never deal with them, how are you supposed to learn that that thing is not the way you're supposed to do it? So for with a D it's like, it wasn't a vengeful thing where he would, I truly believed even then he's not trying to hurt me. He has these secret things and these shadowy things he hasn't dealt with, but I knew he could get through it because of what happened with his drug addiction. Now I didn't know him when he was addicted to drugs, but still to this day, I've known him for 16 years now. When he talks about who he was as a drug addict, I still laugh out loud when he tells these stories or I'll cry because it's like, that's not the person I know. So to, to see someone transform like from zero to a hundred and then back again to zero, like you knew he had it in him and you guys had it in each other yeah. to, yeah. to do that. And you saw, you had the foresight to see how your relationship could be when worked through all the yeah, stuff. And I knew, I knew that it was only the beginning of what we were going to create together and that these hiccups, although society wants to say that they're the worst in the whole world and you could never trust again. I mean, I had a feeling that we could fight through it. And if not, I knew that if I couldn't fight through it with him, that I'd be fine. I think, too. I think one of the other things that yeah. happened was that, um, we, especially in that last iteration, I think that was the first time Sophie that I remember you realizing, so we had these couples therapists, we found our favorite couples therapists in that last iteration actually, but, at some point in the middle, there was this realization in Sophie that there's work on both sides too, because, you know, for, for a long part of this, it was like constantly looking for what was wrong with me. And there was a lot of stuff that I had to address and a lot of stuff that I had to, to repair and, and fill a lot of voids that had to be filled that had never been filled before. But you know, your partner's your mirror. And, and so whatever Sophie saw in me that brought out certain reactions from her were things that she had to address. And, and I think it's the moment where we both really sank into the work rather than a, hey, Adi's got to go fix himself. That things moved even at a faster pace. Uh, and taking responsibility, keeping my side of the street clean. Like, why am I attracting all these like assholes? Why am I attracting all these people that want to hurt me in different ways? First of all, Adi wasn't wanting to hurt me. That was different than my last boyfriend who was actually abusive. But he probably didn't, he probably didn't even really want to hurt you. He was so in pain that hurting others was a way of controlling it. You know, it's like, I don't, and, and you didn't know that he could change. Yeah. So that was the he thing. He wouldn't that, have changed. Yeah. You guys tried to change. So I think <laughs> different, I think, different levels. I think an important of so, ability, you know, like, I also want to note that like he would not have changed. I would have been abusive relationship till the day I died. If I stayed with him, I knew that. And I always knew that I needed to escape that, but I, I was working through a lot of lessons during that experience. But the minute I was free, I knew I was actually free. And with the D the challenges felt different. It felt there was more depth. And I truly believed based on my own resiliency of everything I had been through, through my life, moving every year, my parents getting divorced, you know, all the, the pain and the trauma of getting up and uprooting and going to a new place and getting new friends, leaving my old friend, all of that, I knew that I had it in me to fight through this and that a D, although there were blind spots as we both had and shadows and all these things to work through, I had my own stuff too. And that we would be better because of it if yeah. we fought through it and got through it. And it like really kind of 
reminds me, I always say that we don't always get everything that we want, but we most always get what we expect. And I think that's such an interesting point that you had made the difference between your ex-boyfriend and who you were currently with, your husband. It's like you had an expectation, a pretty high expectation that he could work through it and that Mm -hmm. you guys could do it together. And so, you know, even just from like a science perspective in the brain, like if you truly believe that your brain already starts kicking in with all the problem solving of like, I can do this. This is what we can do. Let's make a plan. But I'm sure there were, were there times, you know, within it and maybe you guys are still going through it that you had doubts. Yeah. There were definitely for years, I would say for two or three years, there were times when Sophie for sure had doubts. I'm not putting words in her mouth. I remember the specific conversations. Uh, And actually our therapist, whenever, every time she would kind of say, no, no, I'm good. I I trust him again. Our therapist and I were like, really? (laughs) Because it doesn't look like you trust me. And I don't know if you could trust me this quickly again. She was like, no, 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 it's all good. It's all good. And then a week, two, three weeks, a month later, something would happen that would fully verify that we don't have trust again. Now, again, to be clear, we couldn't watch TV. We couldn't go to the movies. We couldn't drive down the street and see to a music. billboard. Yeah. We couldn't, if a woman passed by me, like there was terrifying periods. I'm not pretending for a second. We were like, hey, buddy, let's let's solve this problem. And right. then it all worked out. That's not how it No, went. it was awful for years. So and, like, for example, you guys would be walking down the street and there was a billboard of like a beautiful model. Like, um, what's the, the, um, the teeny tiny, what's company, that? American Apparel. American Apparel. Like, I'd notice him looking and I'm, and then I would bring it up because we were practicing radical transparency before we even knew what that was. Bring it up means the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you looking at what the hell? You're such a fucking creep. Like that's what bringing it up actually means. Just so we're really, really clear. Yeah. It was uncomfortable. And I'm sure like, because you can't really exist in this world. Sure. Okay. With addiction, maybe let's say someone that's dealing with alcohol, right? Cocaine or even alcoholic. You cannot go to a bar You cannot be in an environment where you think people are doing coke. How are you supposed to avoid the entire female race? Oh, it was worse. I was teaching at UCLA at the time. So I was, I had lectures and I'm teaching in the psychology department, 300 person lectures. I don't know, 200 of them are women. Yeah. Sophie was like, you're about to walk into these rooms with like 18 and 19 year old girls. And so it it led to a lot of- By the way, I would have been like, I'm just knowing me. I'm not having been in that situation, but I am not. I mean, my husband was an actor before he worked in the entertainment industry. And I, right now, when we first started dating, and he had never done anything to betray my trust, but the idea of him even kissing someone else in like a scene, I was like, I need to see who this person looks like. I need to go. Like, I don't even know what I like. Seriously, yeah. I would have come, so, been like, I'm going to the, I'm going to UCLA too, and I'm sitting in, yeah. and like, I'm not, you know, like, I'll be sitting in the front row. Yeah. yeah. So my thing, my thing always was because I could see the, I, I felt the capacity, I felt the ability, I felt the potential of what we could be, and the relationship that I wanted to have. I don't want to ever be jealous. It's not a good look. It doesn't feel good. What is jealousy anyway? It's based on insecurity. Right. Or or not having trust. Right. Both of which I don't want in my life. Probably both, right? Both. So I want I wasn't like, you must quit your job. Like I was like, the minute you get out, I want to know every single person Mm -hmm. that was cute, Mm -hmm. turned you on, that you felt I wanted to know the inner workings because at this point, 
we're together for the foreseeable future. Right. He is my partner. You have a we child together. We have a child. At this point, it's like, that's where the radical transparency matters to me. I don't necessarily need that with like the ice cream scooper, but I need that with my husband because it makes me feel safe and makes me understand the inner workings of his brain, his heart, his spirit, because he's going to parent my children. And right. I want to know who he really is. Sorry. What's important to say real quick is just like, as we're talking about how bad it was, most people, when they have experiences like that, have the obvious reaction. The obvious reaction is to stop fucking sharing. I share, you are in pain, I stop sharing. But that means you start holding on to secrets and yep. the other person starts holding on to resentments. And then like, well, I can't talk about that girl. And there's that girl in my class that keeps coming in office hours. And oh my God, there's that colleague that I work by and she wears a short dress or whatever the thing yeah. is. And, like, you start I'll collecting walk down stuff. this hallway. I'll avoid that thing. Right. So I start, won't yeah. look up at the billboard. Or and like, I, I, better, well, it's better to just not bring it up at all because I don't want to create a fight and I'm working really hard for this. And if it, you know, and that's exactly the opposite of what was needing to happen. I think, I think the successful version is what Sophie said or the, the popular successful version is what Sophie said. I'll just stop doing all the bad things. I think the realistic successful version that most people go through is I will do as few of the bad things as I can, keep those things a secret, not tell my partner about them because I'm not doing anything really bad, which is back to the cookie example she gave before. And then I'm just going to try to moderate it this way. What we found and the reason I'm, I was saying in the beginning that I know this now, I did not know it back then, is the reason for radical transparency is it's like a spigot in a, in a pressured tank of, of water or something like the pressure builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. You can decide when you want to let it out. But if you don't find ways to religiously, regularly, and on an ongoing basis, let it out, it's going to build up until it explodes. And what I've realized about me, myself, and, and our relationship is that I wasn't, I don't know that I have, I mean, now this could be different because it's like 11 years later, but at the time we didn't have another explosion in us. Like, Another explosion after that last one. And Sophie would have been like, look, I got to leave. And he knew that. And like the first time he maybe was like, oh, I can just fuck around. And the second time he was like, whatever, whatever. By the third time my ring was off, I was looking up abortions and how many weeks along I could, I was done. He could see it in my eyes. He could feel it in my spirit. I was broken. I was done. So was he. And that was the last of the secrets. And he felt more free being fully transparent in that moment. And we finally were on the same Field. Yeah, I don't think I knew that I had a chance the other times. I think what happened that was different was we revealed all my secrets. And so clean slates are so much easier to deal with. And I tell people this all the time because when I do work with people who have, and a lot of people I work with have a lot of secrets from a lot of people, I say, look, you can wait until they find out and then you can deal with the consequence of that. Or you can be the bigger person and go in and yes, it's going to suck but you're going to tell them things that they don't even know to ask you about. And you say, I'm doing the work. I will never do this. Like you can show up beforehand. It's hard. It's hard for a lot of people. And again, I didn't I like didn't proactively owning yeah. all of it rather than doing it because you think or know you're going to get caught because get that caught, which is the difference yes. between telling the truth and being radically mm, transparent. That's so you're ahead of it. Yeah. It's preventative. Right. So like, yes, that's such a difference because it's almost like an apology that is given yeah. like really from a sort of organic place or an apology that's given because it's expected of you because you've gotten caught about something. Yeah. So for a long time, I'd say like, so the, the final kind of thing with the DNI, when we 
when like all the secrets came out was about 11 years ago when I was pregnant with Kai, he's almost 10 for like eight solid years. He was still in the doghouse, a D like he, in different ways, like we healed over time. The first three years were probably the worst where like he couldn't talk to girls. We couldn't, he couldn't go out with his guy friends and like go for drinks unless it was something that felt safe. Like we, or if I was there, of course, but like we had to work slow. I mean, it felt, we did a lot of work. So it was like a lot of intense, deep work on ourselves and together and separately, but it takes a while to completely reset our relationship. So I'd say two to three solid years of that kind of like unlearning. And like, we had all these like behaviors that were just not allowed. And if he did big consequences would come up for that. And then slowly that, that thing in the middle of like the biggest consequences. And these are no behaviors would slowly go away because I, my trust built for him and for us. And so over time I started to trust more. I mean, if, if we could actually talk about like where we are now compared to where we were, yeah, no one would believe it. I mean, I know because some of the things that you've shared with me, I'm like, how? And what I want to also talk about in, in addition to the radical transparency, and then I'll go back and finish my last thought. I'll need your help on that. Is that there's also a difference between not doing the bad things and really leaning in and being different and changing and doing the work. So there's a mm. lot of people we know that don't act out. Mm-hmm. They don't drink, right? They were alcoholics. Now they don't drink. They were cokeheads. They don't ever touch coke. Right. The deep seated like issue that made them want to act out, escape, numb, whatever it is, that's still there. Right. And it's just maybe getting transferred to a different thing, like sure. kind of how maybe bottled inside or just being right. bottled or inside. Bottled themselves. Right. So we had we had like two or some two and a half, three years of well, two years of really, really strong boundaries, and then they gradually got released. By three years out, most of the boundaries were were away. Now we have some other things like we actually realized the other day I haven't watched porn on my own and I don't even know like yeah. Other than like literally like 10 years. Um which is amazing. I mean I used to watch porn every single day. So for a lot of guys I think porn is just Do you want to? No, I don't even think about it now. But I'm saying, so that got kind of like reset. Even yes. the girls with hanging out with girls. Most of my friends used to be girls. Probably as a married man with kids, like hanging out primarily with other women, especially if I find some yeah. of them attractive. Maybe right. Not an incredibly long-term sustainable or healthy, um, yeah, technique and strategy for your for your marriage. So, yeah. so that happened, and by I would say by five years out, yeah, we were definitely like settled, but still settled under this umbrella of. Hey, Adi's the fuck up and he's got to just watch himself because if he gets out of hand, you know, we'll let the dogs out. So the radical transparency thing, would that be, okay. So an example would be if Adi or you, I guess, cause I'm guessing when you're radically transparent, regardless of who made, you know, the stuff in the past, whose fault it was oh, yeah. or who did the actions, you guys are both radically transparent. Yes. Yeah. So if one of you meet someone and you're attracted to them, is that something if you if you don't act on it, you don't, you know, you're not talking to them, but you are attracted to them. Is that something you'd come back and be like, Adi would be like, Sophie, I, you know, was at the coffee shop today and I saw this woman and I thought she was really attractive. Like, was that something you would share with her? I want I feel like you gotta tell your story. I'll tell my story, <laughs> but wait, wait, no, but I just want to answer your question. Yes. The, the the short answer is yes. 
but we have a nuanced explanation within our relationship where we've said, these are now the boundaries. Okay. So you guys have a mindfully created set of very specific, clear boundaries. It's kind of like in an SM relationship where everything is like laid out. There's, there's words for like no more or yes. And like everything is laid out like a contract. almost. We have a contract. We have a book of rules and we have a book of our relationship that we add chapters to and add pages to. And he said this from the very beginning in any relationship, you can create whatever you want to create. And so we're in, you know, at that point we had, I'd say now an answer to your question. Yes. Boundaries are very important. We know what we can and can't do in different circumstances. We have a closed relationship day to day in terms of, yeah, if I'm flirting with someone and it's just completely, it doesn't mean a big deal and it just felt good, but like it was a flirty, whatever I might tell them I might not, but as long as it's not that extra layer of like, I'm still thinking about it or then I would tell Or you got, you exchange numbers or for some reason he's in your, he's in your life in a way that is not just a passing person and you'll see him again. Then that would be a, a radically transparent share. Well, we definitely yeah. went through some hiccups on the way to of that. Of course. Yeah, yeah. So so five years in, we're pretty much like at at a at a plateau. I don't know that I realize it to this extent, but a plateau, we're definitely still like Sophie, just like what you described in, in high school or college or whatever, this plateau where Sophie's still like looking up from the top of the hill and I'm the guy at the bottom who fucked up and I'm like mm-hmm. I'll do whatever you need, my yeah, my my lord. And I still didn't fully understand. There was still some judgments around sleeping with people that he didn't love. There were still some judgments around one night stands. Like, how could you do that? I had judgments on my own best friends. I'd be like, yeah, I'm not like that. I've never, I don't even understand how she could have been with him because like they didn't love you. You know, like just mm-hmm. some judgment of like I'm up here and you're down there, and like that's yeah. gross. And it was complete just ignorance and lack of experience and like trying to figure it out and and make just basically trying to like fill in the gaps of what I didn't understand. Mm. And so this was five years ago, New Year's Eve. Eve, We're at a nice hotel in West Hollywood. New Year's we're with another couple friend and we did like all sorts of things. I was like on cocaine and lots of champagne and Molly and we were in a bad place. We were not in a thriving place. He was working all the time. He was still in that place where he was sort of in the doghouse without saying it. I kind of like would always joke and be like, yeah, I hate you right now, which is like, I can't mm-hmm. even believe that I said that, mm-hmm. but I, I felt it. And mm-hmm. it was new year's super intoxicated, met this hot model. He went to sleep. I was with my girlfriend. We went up to the rooftop in bathrobes, met this model. I am fucking wasted. This guy's stone cold, cold, sober, and actually in AA and sober, sober, like actually sober. He's there with his dad. I start challenging him on things. We're like kind of in an argument. I like said some mean things and then went back to the room and I felt so bad. And I was like, Oh my God, I need to go find him and apologize. Meanwhile, it's like 4am on new year's. This made sense in my head. My girlfriend's like, okay. I walk out of my hotel room with clothes on now turn to the left and hear his voice. It's 4 a.m. She's like, you're never going to find him in this hotel. Like they went back to their room. I walk out of the room and I hear his voice within the first second talking to someone in the room. I walk over, knock on the door, like listen up, hear that they're in there talking. Somehow he's one door away <sighs> and he lets me in. I apologize 
his dad was with him. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Like, I just feel so bad. Like you do you, you know, whatever the thing was, Yeah. he accepted it. I'm going back to the room to go to bed. I'm like, okay, good night. And he's like, here, I'll come with you. I'm going up to meet someone up at the pool. And then like, I was intoxicated. So I just walked with him up to the pool. And then he brought me into the bathroom and we had a one night stand. And there and Adi was in your guys's room, like downstairs in the hotel. Adi's sleeping asleep downstairs in our room, and I find myself like, how did I get here? What's going on? There were all sorts of feelings and thoughts in my head, but one of the ones that I remember very distinctly was, Adi has done this before. I can do this. He'll Mm. understand. In my mind, Mm -hmm. it it was like he'll understand. Yeah. Like, well, that's fine. Now, like he's already done this, so I can do it. It's my turn. Right. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into and how upset he would be. And, you know, I'd never experienced anything like this before. So went downstairs back to the room, told him immediately, told in front of my friend. And they both didn't believe me because this is so out of character and nothing I'd ever done before. And yeah, it was like the beginning of a couple months of actual hell where like I was shaming myself. They were shaming me just like, you know, my girlfriend like totally kicked me while I was down. She's like, you're a mother. Who do you think you are? And Adi was like, you better go get tested. And like, just like super shameful. Like I'd never been tested before. I'd only been with two people in my entire life. Like just all this stuff that came to a head. And I'm like, who the fuck did I think I was all that time? like thinking I was so above all of that. And like, it was really good for me. It was good for me to experience that stuff and be able to relate to people in a way that I had never thought was possible in my lifetime. And then on top of it, it rebalanced us because at this point he has been in the doghouse. Like when was he ever going to get out? Mm -hmm. It made us empathize with the other person. Right. And so True. It doesn't have to be that. Hopefully us telling this freaking story is a way for you to go, Mm -hmm. Oh shit. My husband's not an asshole because he cheated on me. Oh, shit. My wife's not a slut because she cheated on me. That's not the story. There's something deeper Deeper. going on. exactly. And that's where I need to look. Because, I mean, you know, Gottman, the Gottman Mm -hmm. system, if you look at it, kind of like Sophie had a lot of contempt for me. A lot. And she might not have been able to vocalize it. And if somebody would have asked her, she probably would have said, no, 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 I think he's great. But she did not like it. And my best friends knew that. And I, I was ashamed. I didn't know why I still felt that way. And I'd try and force it. Like he said in therapy, I'd be like, I'm over it. I'm over it. I did yeah. everything in my power to work for it. But this is what was needed to rebalance. And there were a few people in our life that I called afterwards. And I was like, I am fucked. Like this was, look what happened. What is wrong with me? And they were like, Congratulations. Like, this is exactly what your relationship needed. Congratulations. I'm like, well, it doesn't feel like it right now. And they're like, give it six months. It's funny. I wonder, I didn't even think about this yeah. until this moment, but I wonder if those people that said that to you had had a similar experience and just never talked about it. It's hard to put yourself in somebody else's shoes without actually putting their shoes on. It's just hard, right? I mean, even if you think about the phrase, the whole point of putting somebody else's shoes on is so you see how uncomfortable they are, or how heavy they are, whatever it is, and how hard it is to walk in them. Well, some people are great at being able to do that, empaths and things of that nature, but most of us need the experience. I really didn't want to believe that I needed to. I really wanted to believe that I could just empathize. It's just, it wasn't enough. I needed more medicine. There was something else for my healing that I needed. If you had to like impart one piece of strength advice for a couple to create a a greater bond and to be more lasting through some of the challenges that 
we all will go through as couples. Um, would you say, and this is for couples that have been through trauma or not, would you say radical transparency is sort of the super important or is there something different that you would impart? I would say sit down with your partner and have a conversation about radical transparency, about some of the things we've talked about here and, and explore what maybe you and your partner perk up about, because what might work for us might not work for you. Just like self-care, just like all the things that keep ourselves and our relationships intact, you know, be curious with your partner about spicing things up, about where, what have you been thinking about? Like, what could be fun and creative? What can yeah. you hear? Like having conversations about like what edge of the spectrum of radical transparency do you want to dive into? We did it for our healing. That doesn't mean that you have to necessarily go to that level. It's like, right. What feels good and safe to you and, and finding that middle ground with your partner. I think that's so important and it and it kind of brings up I think no matter how many of us are married and for how long I think sex is always something for some reason in our society in our culture even with the partner that you're with that you've had babies with that is something that is like not so easy to talk about in a radical transparent way and how helpful that can be for a relationship to feel safe and intimate and comfortable in sharing the things that maybe you want and you want to try and then having put that forward i think it's so great to have sort of this book figuratively or literally of like boundaries so that like not two people are even if you're married you're not the same person and things are going to be different and what you want that's amazing my last question for you before we pull a card. What is looking up for you guys? Can you share with us some of the things you're working on and what you're excited about coming out right now or in the near future? And also just what are you most hopeful about? I am, I can say collectively for a DNI, we're really excited. We're still t- totally inspired by our podcast ignited, but also a D is completely, he just hired a designer to create a really cool interactive website and app for Ignited, which will be a really amazing place for any sort of self-help, physical, mental, emotional, but mostly psychological. And he's just really lit up by that. And that lights me up too, because I can't wait to see his vision come to life. And then I'd say as a couple, we just are continuing. I'm just really hopeful about creating an amazing space for our children and that even though we are, there's so much uncertainty in the world and we really don't know what's going on with our school, which we love so much, and just all the unknowns in the world, we know where we stand in parenting and we know where we stand in like creating incredible experiences. So I'm really hopeful about our future together as a family, no matter what else happens in the world, that we are creating that beautiful, hopeful environment for our kids. Thank you guys so much for coming on and sharing so transparently or with such radical transparency for all of us. Your guys' journey together is beyond inspiring and such a great example of resiliency. And to end the podcast, as always, everyone gets to pick, if we were together, you would pick it yourself, but a card from the Things Are Looking Up Optimism deck. So I'm going to pick a card for you and Adi to do together and... You can tell me how it goes later. And this is going to be a random card. I have no idea which one I'm picking. Oh my gosh. I love this one for you guys. This is my favorite (gasps) card. Okay. 
It doesn't really matter what time it is or where you are. Put on some music, get up and dance. Dance like no one is watching or like everyone is watching. Allow yourself 30 whole seconds of complete freedom to find yourself in the beat. Done. I love you guys. our homework And yeah, that's your homework. I want to see video of it. (laughs) Thank you so much, Soph. Love you guys both. Thank you.